morning, good afternoon, good evening. I know it's been a minute since I put any content out, and that's my bad. I'm not sitting here acting like I'm ESPN or some of these other conglomerates, but I just appreciate that you out here listen to your boy do what he do. I mean, throughout this pandemic that we're still dealing with, you know, thank you for listening to this house party episode. You just almost feel not defeated, but just so unmotivated to do anything because it's like you can't go anywhere to do anything other than go for a walk, bike ride, jog. But you wake up half the time and you're like, I don't even know what day it is. Like, what day is it? You got to check on your phone to say, is it Monday or is it Thursday? Is it Tuesday or is it Friday? It really doesn't matter because we're not going to really do anything different than we've been doing for how long now? Since March. Anyway, that's how life has been for me throughout this pandemic. But I want to get refocused, remotivated um, throughout this pandemic. I've done a lot of things to really look within myself, to not only try and better myself, to reinvent myself, but to actually see why I do what I do to come out and give you guys better content, better information for myself, my family, and everybody that knows me. Right now, I'm in the midst of reading this book, uh, Belichick, and it's very, 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 very interesting. I'm not done with the whole book. When I'm done, I might have an episode just on the book, but in saying that, Belichick, you can sit, love him or hate him. Belichick grinds football down to a fine powder, almost like water, and it slips through your hands, and he builds it back up. He has an algorithm for everything. And for you to think that he hasn't had this thought in the back of his head the day after Brady's gone, you're bugging. Moving right along, i like to dedicate this episode and I want to talk about this documentary that's been transpiring every sad Sunday night on ESPN. We're getting a juicy two hours per Sunday night. Last dance, ring number six for the Chicago Bulls. You get an unprecedented access, film, footage of back in the day of what it was like in 96, 97, I'm sorry, 97, 98. It it, it takes me back. I'm a Bulls fan, by the way. So before I say anything, I'm going to put that out there as a disclaimer. I keep it real. I keep it 100. But I'm slanted in my view right now because I am a Bulls fan. But just getting that content, it just takes me back. To when I was 22, 21, 23, just out there just watching the Bulls destroy everybody and loving every second of it. You know, uh, the style, the music, watching Scottie Pippen and his high top fade, Dennis Rodman and them hairstyles, everything, man. But I mean, look, the quality of the documentary, the way they have been able to merge the footage And they have collapsed it with present-day interviews similar to what they do with reality TV. But more so, it's the footage that cements the point that's trying to be made. 
I like the quality. It looks well produced that they've actually put so much work into this and the access that you're getting. This isn't some old like, all right, we're only going to give you access via um, while these guys are on the bus or when they're, you know, playing around during practice. No, you're getting access of MJ in the back chilling by himself with some security guards gambling or giving tickets away to players that need tickets for the game. I mean, you get unprecedented access of seeing what Jordan was really like behind closed doors because he was so tight-lipped, so close to the vest. This is what you're getting. And what makes me think when I watch this documentary is this is so now to have this. It's 2020. And it's so now to have this. This falls right in the hub, right into the wheel well of reality TV. And this was a season that was followed of a team, an iconic team in 97, 98. And they've been sitting on this footage for all these years. It makes you think like in the upcoming years, you know, you know, they're going to have a documentary on Kobe Bryant. You know, that's coming. And you know, before it's said and done, it might even be a series ongoing throughout LeBron James's last season when he is going to retire from the NBA. But the unprecedented access that you're getting, it's so before it's time when you're watching this show and all the things that you're learning Behind the scenes, like you're hearing about what the media said, but then they're talking to Jordan, Pippen, Phil Jackson, the owner of the team, Dennis Rodman, Horace Grant, about like what's really going on. Well, like what were your thoughts at that time? Like when they when Jordan was talking about Scottie Pippen and his money situation, when he wanted more money. And this was the time in the NBA where dudes really weren't getting paid the way they were now. Because Scottie Pippen signed like a seven-year deal right out the gate. Nowadays, I mean, unless you're drafted number one, and even if you are, I mean, you're getting that five-year deal, and it's a player option for the fifth year. It's really a four-year deal. So Scottie Pippen was locked into a seven-year deal, and within a couple years of his contract, Scottie Pippen rose to becoming the second-best player in the NBA. I don't want to say the second-best player, but maybe top five, top ten player in the NBA. I mean, what you literally had on the Bulls at that time is what you have with the Lakers when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. When you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, guys that are top 10 players, not at their position, but in the league. And they were so young and Pippen wasn't getting paid. And for Pippen to put off surgery, to try and force the hand of management to pay him, if that was the strategy. That was the strategy. And that's what goes on now. But you see, for me, for Jordan, and this is my opinion, for Jordan to come out and talk about Scottie Pippen and say that was selfish of him because now Jordan was out there by himself and he had to sit there and feel like he was the only one that was out there that could help the team win. 
there's two sides to this coin. There is the, okay, 27 years ago, in that moment, you could have felt that way. But now, with all these years that have transpired and passed, for you to still feel that way. Like, you could have said, hey, look, at that time, I felt that way, but now I see it differently. Look, when it comes to pro sports, and especially when it comes to money, unless you're talking about, hey, he's worth every dime, he should be getting paid more, or you're advocating for somebody to be getting paid the money that they want, you shouldn't be talking about what's somebody else want inside their pockets. You can't get inside this man's pockets. Because I didn't know, as a Bulls fan, that Scottie Pippen's father was bedridden due to illnesses that he had transpired in his life, that had transpired in his life. I didn't know that his brother was paralyzed due to a wrestling accident or, a, 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 you know, just a fluke incident that had tri- occurred when he was in high school. And you also have to keep in mind, Scotty Pippen had a whole bunch of brothers and sisters. And when you go to the NBA, you become a millionaire. It's not you become a millionaire. It's we, we, the whole family becomes millionaires. You all of a sudden now, you're the bank for the family. You can't be a millionaire living in a mansion and yet your parents are living in a dump. Come on. You got to hook your parents up, right? And then you have the medical costs that were probably exorbitant fees on top of everybody asking, having their hands out. Come on. And Jordan, he had to have known that. And I'm speculating right now for him to not sit there and say, hey, look, I understand why he needed the money. I'm not saying he knew. All I'm saying is, come on, bro. Come on. And Jerry Krause, the GM of this team. And these episodes that I've seen, I knew it was bad as a Bulls fan when I was young. I knew it was like players and against management. But you kind of got the vibe that it was like, we hate management, but that's just the way it is. Everybody hates their boss. But then watching this, these episodes, you kind of get the feeling like Jerry Krause was so egotistical. He wanted so much of the credit, adulation, glory, satisfaction of all his peers and maybe even some of the celebrity that Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman were getting. He wanted some of that credit for putting together this dynasty. And you can't completely say this guy didn't know what he was doing or he's completely egotistical because he did draft Scottie Pippen. He did trade Charles Oakley when everybody thought that was a bad move and draft Horace Grant so right there you have your big three your nucleus right there Jordan Pippen Grant now we gonna build out from that and in saying that I give him credit 
for constructing and building the team. But to sit there and think you could disband the team knowing you have something special and make it happen again because I'm who I am? No. When you have a dynasty, look, when you have a dynasty, you have to let it die a natural death. And what I mean by that, what happened to the Magic Johnson Lakers? They got beat by the Detroit Pistons. They got beat by the Celtics. But when that era was over and they it was the Pistons run for two years, the Pistons were running the NBA, they beat the Lakers. And what happened to the Pistons when they lost? They lost to the Chicago Bulls. They died a natural death. They lost to a better team. The Bulls never lost to a better team. They just got disbanded. That's a shame because it almost makes you feel like Jordan and that team has six rings. They could have easily had maybe eight. How do you know they couldn't have tied Russell? Oh, Greg, what are you talking about? Well, come on, man. They got six, right? During that year, Jordan took off. What if he didn't take off? There's seven right there. What if management would have gave him what he wanted, right? Now you're talking about what? Four Four rings off from getting 11 rings. Who was beating them if they would have had players and management that would have supported the team? Who knows? I could be wrong. I could be right. But let's talk about it. But one thing I do want to talk about is Dennis Rodman. We all know what comes with Dennis Rodman. But one thing that I want to say about Dennis Rodman is... I never knew that he literally went up to the coach in Phil Jackson and said, I need 48 hours to just unwind and I'm going to come back and be back to normal. I'm like, could you imagine? Like, when I was watching the the Last Dance documentary, right? Phil Jackson was like, wait, you need what? (laughs) He was like, all right, look, we going to go up to Mike, but you going to say, I need 48. I'm not going to tell him you're taking off for the weekend. You're going to tell him I'm taking off for the weekend. Because could you imagine going to your job or your supervisor, your boss, whomever it may be, and saying, look, I'm really, and it's not even on some, I'm going through a lot right now. It's like, look, I'm taking 48 hours off and I'm going wild the F out. And when I come back, I'll be back, but I need 48 hours. Could Like, could you imagine removing yourself from all the responsibilities of the world and just going to Las Vegas for 48 hours and wilding out? Man, could, as, as, a, as a dude, we know, and I, I don't know what he did, but as a dude, you're in Vegas for 48 hours, and he's a millionaire, and he's a star at this time. Everybody knew who Dennis Rodman was. I'm thinking, and this is just pure speculation, there was a lot of women, a lot of gambling, a lot of partying, 
a lot of alcohol. And to me, Dennis Rodman doesn't come off as somebody that takes drugs, but he looks like he hangs out with people like that and will buy it for them, but not the type to actually like take it. Like he looks like the type that he'll drink with anybody all night, but when it comes to the drugs, he's not into that. Because one thing that I did notice, and when Phil Jackson, Scotty, and Jordan would talk about Dennis, what they did say is like, look, this dude was a party animal, but when it came time to work, he was out there competing, and he was ready to go. And I heard stories back in the day of this guy going out partying all night, coming home, or back to the hotel around 5, 6 a.m., waking up around noon, 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, making his way to the arena, going out, maybe getting himself 6 points, 22 rebounds, and go out and do the same. And it would just be a, a, a rinse, reload, repeat, rinse, reload, repeat, where this dude would just party all night, get just enough sleep to be able to play basketball and get all these rebounds, and then do it the same again. And the one thing that Dennis Rodman did say is that, see, when you look at people and you draw your opinion off their looks, this guy said he would be out at 4 a.m. and have a couple guys with him shooting. And he would be underneath the rim getting the rebound, learning how angles worked so when he saw the the ball dropping on the rim where to position himself to get the rebound when you hear stuff like that that's when you know somebody's a genius at what they do and another part that was very illuminating to me when i watched this was when they had talked about the dream team and isaiah thomas for all these years I thought it was Michael Jordan that kept Isaiah Thomas off the dream team. But when you're watching the last dance and you're hearing some of these other players and you're hearing Magic Johnson talk, it wasn't Michael Jordan solely as the only person that kept him off the dream team. At that point in time, if I got the vibe that Isaiah Thomas wasn't well-liked and he was an individual that was maybe persona non grata to where, you know what? Michael and Scotty weren't really feeling the roughhouse behavior or the over-the-top Jordan rules that they had. And maybe Larry Bird didn't appreciate what Dennis Rodman had to say about Larry Bird and then Isaiah co-signing it. And maybe Magic Johnson didn't appreciate the way Isaiah Thomas was with when he was playing against his Lakers. And that brings up a point to me where I've heard this comment before and watching this last dance really solidified this comment. In life, you don't need to be an ass kisser, but you need to have people that like you in life and especially the place where you do work. And what I mean by that is 
When you need people that when you're not around and heads need to be chopped, you need to have somebody where when your head is on the chopping block, they're going to sit there and say, no, this person works hard. He's a critical part of what we do. We need this person, however it needs to be, but they're fighting for you when you're not there. And it seemed as though Isaiah Thomas didn't have that person to say that for him, and his head got chopped, and John Stockton got that position. And you can sit there and and say, hey, man, it's ass-kissing, so on and so forth. No, it's not. It's not ass-kissing. It's pretty much saying, look, we're all professional. Let's be professional and conduct ourselves that way. But you need to have people that are willing to fight for you when you're not in the room. Because you are always going to sit there and speak highly of yourself. But will other people do that for you? That's immense to fact. And another thing when, I, when I'm watching these Last Dance episodes. There's like two eras of the NBA. It feels like there was a pre and post Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. It just feels like before there was Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, there was an NBA and it was cool and it was nice. But their finals were on tape delay. And it felt like when Magic Johnson and Larry Bird came into the league, it was perfect. You have black and white, the white dude from the Midwest in Indiana, where French Lake, Indiana, where Larry Bird was from, playing on the East Coast in Boston. And you had Magic Johnson coming from the inner city in, in, in Michigan, playing for a glamorous team like the Lakers in L.A. So you had black, white, East, West. And it was a perfect story for that to capture America. And it feels like after they captured America, David Stern became the commissioner of the NBA and he was able to begin to not only ride on the waves of that popularity, but globalize the popularity of the NBA. And I think that's where Jordan benefited because on that dream team, Jordan was kind of the new sheriff in town because he was that new Jack. He was that young LeBron James, that young Steph Curry, that young talent to where he's coming up and now he's here. He's arrived. And globally, Nike playing all across the world, Dream Team, come on. I think that what helped Jordan's fame, he wasn't just a popular athlete. He was a popular individual at that point you we're talking about star power with actors celebrities entertainers everybody he was up there like you could talk about the president and jordan like everybody i we all know you know how you know somebody's famous when you could go up to your your mom or your grandma and they don't know anything about sports jordan i know michael jordan i know michael jordan right that's how you know somebody's famous. LeBron James. I know LeBron James. Uh, uh, Kobe Bryant. I know Kobe. Kobe. I know Kobe. Right? Steph Curry. I know Stephen Curry. That's how it goes, man. It's not about 
social media. It's all about, this is what you got to do. Go to your grandma that really don't watch sports and say, do you know so-and-so? And if they know that person, solidified. Stamp of approval. And all the behind-the-scenes drama that went on when they were winning that sixth ring in Chicago. I mean, think about it, right? You had all these teams. You had all the, 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 the drama, management going against you. You had all these financial situations. Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman. You had all these gambling allegations where you, you're watching this and Jordan kind of let you in a little bit and let you see how fame is not all that it's worth to be. Where like he wasn't going out there gambling and golfing to where he felt like this is, you know, my luxury. You're watching these, the, 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 these episodes and felt like the guy would literally leave the hotel and go to the team bus. And it felt like he was a rapper going into his bus, going to his, to the concert venue. I mean, you had thousands of people just wanting to see him going into, and we're not talking about, this is every day. I heard, like back in the day, I heard that this guy around the holiday seasons could not walk around in the mall. Like, he needed to walk in the back hallways of the mall, and they would have to shut the store down, and he would walk in through the back, go shopping in the store, go back in the hallway, and then walk throughout the mall like that. Like, imagine life where you couldn't walk around and feel like you're a regular person. You're in not a bubble, but like a vacuumed bubble. Is what I feel like he was living. You're watching this, and... You're thinking of the NBA player now, and what do you think of? We're now on the road. They're going to the club. They're going out to dinner. They're doing fun things. Maybe Scottie Pippen could have done that. Maybe Horace Grant could have done that. Maybe other players on the team could have done that. But Michael Jordan could have done that because he would have probably spent half the time he would be at a restaurant not eating his food, but more so signing autographs for people. Is that something that you want to do? No. He almost felt like, it almost felt like celebrity was a burden. And it opened up your eyes to where it's like, look, man, maybe celebrity is not all that we make it to be. Maybe these dudes want to be regular and golfing where it was, we're out for like four or five hours, no media, no nobody. And it's just the fellas around the golf course, and we could joke around and play around and just play golf. And maybe he got good at it because he did it. He, he, he did it for so long, and he had a gambling itch. Gambling's not illegal. So when you sit there and talk about Michael Jordan's gambling debts, gambling's not illegal. Gambling on the golf course, it happens all the time. Now, Michael Jordan was a multi-multi-millionaire. So... For me to sit there and bet, hey, I'm going to bet you a dollar. I'm going to bet you $5, $10, $20. That's Michael Jordan saying, I'm going to bet $1,000, $5,000, $10,000, $20,000. That's the 
equivalent to how he was gambling at that point in time. So when you sit there and say, during the playoff series, Michael Jordan loses game one to the Knicks, and then he goes out to Atlantic City, gambles all night, and comes back and loses game two. Look, they wound up winning the series. Is it a good look that he went out to gamble? Of course not. But that's his prerogative. Because you can't tell me that a lot of players now lose playoff series and they go out clubbing after they lose. So because Jordan lost and went out and participated in his vice, that's a problem? We all have a vice. Whether it be alcohol, drugs, sex, uh, gambling, cigars, strippers, uh, whatever it is for you, whatever your vice it, wine, um, it could be whatever it is, whatever it is, we all have a vice. And if you don't, you're lying. And that was his vice, gambling. And I don't knock him for that because every time Michael Jordan showed up, he blowed up. And to me, I don't really care what you do when you're off time, but when you show up to work, you better show up and blow up. Dennis Rodman would show up and blow up. So would Jordan. So I don't see what the big problem is. And the only, at this point, through all these episodes, the only thing that I could really knock Jordan on is his lack of foresight in realizing his power politically and not speaking up and maybe co-signing and taking the safe route and saying that, hey, look, I don't want to endorse a political candidate because I don't want to alienate myself from another political party in terms of who and whom buy shoes. I think at that time, Jordan didn't realize his power, his star and how bright it was beyond sports and beyond making money and the impact that it could have. And I think his lack of foresight has catapulted and inspired athletes now along the lines of, you have Colin Kaepernick who sacrificed his career for what he believed in. LeBron James didn't, and he's, and I'm not in any way comparing Kaepernick and LeBron. But what I am saying is when you had a presidential election, LeBron came out and endorsed whom he felt he wanted to be the presidential candidate. That's all I'm saying. I'm not comparing and saying, look, LeBron is still in the midst of his brilliant career where you have Kaepernick still trying to get back in the game. But I think that's the only black eye for Jordan. He didn't realize and have the foresight to realize how powerful and impactful his voice was. I mean, with more episodes to come, maybe he'll expand and extrapolate why he felt that way. But for right now, you can't deny the fact that that's what it was at that point in time. So at 31 minutes and 50 seconds, I don't want to hold you guys anymore for this episode. 
I mean, hopefully you listen to this while walking, riding bikes, but it's time for your positive quote of the day. And today's positive quote is, everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. Think about that. Think about that. Everybody's a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. Maybe sometimes you need to let a fish swim and not not make it try and climb a tree, right? Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you for listening.